Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the go-to resource for farms across the U.S. looking to grow and manage their business. Tune in weekly to hear tips and tactics from our most successful farmers on how to increase sales, access more customers, and save time and money. We'll also speak with industry experts, business leaders, and partners to share the latest farm business trends selling direct to market. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's episode. We've got a great conversation for you today with a member of our Farm Advisor Network, Joe Shermer of Dirty Girl Produce, located in Santa Cruz, California. Welcome, Joe. It's been a little while since we've had you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Rory. Thanks for having me. Yeah. To maybe start out and give people a little bit of a refresher on Dirty Girl Produce, could you just kind of tell us a little bit of the history behind your farm business? Sure. Yeah, we're in Santa Cruz County in Watsonville. And right now we are farming on 42 acres. And we've been farming this operation since 96. So we've been doing it a while. We've moved around a bunch. We used to be in Santa Cruz on three acres and then came spread all throughout South County. We do a whole bunch of row crop veggies, strawberries, tomatoes, all kinds of broccoli, beans, all this sort of stuff. We go year round. And of course, we were set up to structure our business. We have five farmers market here locally in Santa Cruz, also mainly in the East Bay. Berkeley and in San Francisco. And then we have a lot of accounts and, and exposure up there, right? That we sell a lot to. So we do some delivery runs and stuff like that. Yeah. And so you didn't really do a whole lot of direct to consumer sales until like 2020, right? Were you mostly just wholesale before that? No, we've all done farmers markets. That's been our, that's yeah. been our case. But then there's a lot of restaurants. There's also a lot of, you know, within San Francisco, there's a bunch of small businesses that either caterers or they have delivery business they re a lot of people resell there's some small grocery stores stuff like that and then we wholesale our tomatoes our tomatoes is our biggest single crop and we have those in our dry farm tomatoes and those things we're wholesaling and moving but most everything else is mostly we do mostly retail and say like wholesale slash restaurant price yeah so you guys kind of did make that that shift a lot more towards doing online direct to consumer sales. I know you've talked with us about that before, but do you want to kind of maybe hit on that and what that kind of change was like going from what you were doing before to that? Sure. I think our business over the last few years, you know, we're using QuickBooks online. We do the Ferry Plaza Farmers Market on Saturday in San Francisco. It's a very busy market. There's a lot of restaurants. So we've been using like phones and iPads to write receipts on QuickBooks. So we do have some tech, but we needed to go more. And I really was actually, uh, in thinking that I wanted to go online more with sales and also with communication. But now everybody has an email and we all have G sheets and we share like our farmer's market list to everybody that's picking and selling and everything. So that, so we all share these sort of things. We didn't really have that going into 2019. And I actually moved out of the country um, for six months with my family. I was going to work on that anyway. And that was December of 2019. And then bam, pandemic hit 2020 and it just, you know, forced us to move quickly into this online platform. And we started immediately because what had happened is our farmers markets really slowed down a bunch. It maybe cut in half because of the pandemic, but kept going the whole time. But all of our restaurants, all of our wholesale, everything, that was all just zero. So we lost that huge amount. And this is coming March. We still have a lot of food at this time of year. So we just launched straight into this whole farm box program and delivery. And we were doing it with Instagram and Facebook and just piecing it together in the 
in that just frantic, crazy first couple months of the pandemic. It was just really crazy. It was just wild. And then luckily I had already toured Barn to Door. I'd also toured all the other platform. I was shopping around beforehand. So I knew when it was time, it's like, okay, boom, let's go Barn to Door. So we did it and we changed um, that segment, which is probably like at that time of the year, it's probably 20 to 30% of all of our sales is restaurants, maybe more. And then the other 70% was cut in half because farmers cut in half. So farmers markets cut in half. So at least 50% of our income was you know, halted at that point. So we pushed on and we started doing home delivery, pickup sites. There's restaurants that were, you know, as soon as we started making a farm box and offering it for sale, either pickup or delivery, however we're going to do it. You know, our restaurant accounts, they were not doing anything because they were closed. And a lot of people, they just stepped forward and said, Hey, I want to be a pickup site. Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. So we had a lot of outreach and a lot of those pickup sites are still the same ones as we originally just jumped into in, in spring of 2020. So we really jumped on board with the whole full retail direct to consumer pickup sites and deliveries, you know, home delivery of retail is obviously not restaurant deliveries, which we would do in the past. And I, I probably went from like, I don't know, 95% retail business in the spring to summer of 2020 because restaurants had cut off. So now we're getting back to about 50-50, right? We've slowly trickled back about 50-50, full retail, direct-to-consumer, and then now we do so much restaurant and wholesale. And, and, and what's great about it is that beforehand, our accounts receivable was such a mess. A lot of times it's like almost like a shoebox full of receipts that at the end of the year I start calling people up and say, hey, can you pay me? It was pretty hard for us to maintain because we got so drowned. So what happened is when all the restaurants and wholesale left, we had barn to door wholesale page set up. And as they came back, I could say, hey, look online. You pay when you check out. And that was a huge cash. As they came in, you know, I might have like you know, sixty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars right now in accounts receivable, just because so many people would have been buying stuff from me and they were waiting thirty days plus to pay me. So I'm seeing this year, especially as restaurants are really coming back, I'm really seeing that we're ahead in our operating capital, just because we have such a huge accounts receivable account going on right now. No, that's really, I mean, I, and that's something I've heard from a few other farms that work with wholesale accounts or restaurants is that they can be really slow to pay. And so was that kind of one of your primary challenges with like, with how you were doing business before you kind of switched to barn to door and selling online? Yeah. The problem with my business is that it's small enough that I can't afford to have like a full-time like accountant or someone that is really like working in the administration. So like I have to do a lot of that stuff. And when I do find someone that can do some of that, it's usually they do part this part, you know, farmer's markets or other things. So it's hard to fit that role. So it's easy for me as the owner to fall behind on my administration and my accounting. So uh, that's one thing that has really helped me, especially because I've lost uh, a few key employees that would help me out with administration and accounting during the pandemic because of the pandemic. And so it's been great as people have been coming in and, and basically restaurants opening, reopening and, and getting to the point where they're not just open, but there's people coming in and they have a buying power because as they're coming in, it's sorted out more. So it's been really the time I've spent 
that I normally would be trying to track people down and get paid is me just helping people get online, figure out what we're doing, sign them up, help them until they understand what's going on. And then they come on because it's new. You have to be you know, receptive to, you know, I've been doing it a certain way with a lot of customers for a long time and I'm the one that's changing. Right. So I facilitate that, that transition of the customer way more than I'm dealing with accounts and, and aging. And so that's been really a really positive and time-saving element of moving over online. Like we've been doing, especially when we deal with wholesale, mm -hmm. I say wholesale and restaurant, because a lot of restaurants I deal with half the stuff they're buying, they're actually paying retail for it. If we don't have a lot of something, we pay retail. If we have a lot of something, then we break prices down. But a lot of times I wouldn't say I'm just doing wholesale. Wholesale, I tend to think is 50%. I'm getting 50% of the value of retail roughly. And in a restaurant, I'm saying it's probably averages 75% because a lot of stuff that my restaurants are buying are things that I'm only going to grow a little bit and they're fairly expensive because they're hard to produce in that, and on the quality. And so I just do a little bit. I know I can sell retail. So restaurant wholesale for me is a different world. Yeah, no, that definitely. And I feel like I keep hearing more and more about like the being kind of choosy about what things you choose to grow for restaurants and, and being particular, even like following the trends around what restaurants want. So that that's awesome. But so you kind of touched on earlier that you were doing delivery and you have pickups. And I feel like most commonly, most people do prefer home delivery. They don't have to go anywhere. It just shows up at their house. But you still have maintained this, the pickup option for the last couple of years. Why is that? Is it a popular option for you and your customers? I mean, we're riding the trend of the CSA or farm box. So there's obviously as soon as the pandemic hit there was this huge spike we were putting all of our food into these farm boxes and we couldn't make enough farm boxes we had jars of tomatoes we had all these beets and onions and stored root crop things that people we could not make enough boxes we were just delivering constantly and as the pandemic has subsided people are back going to stores and shopping at farmers markets and stuff and so we're kind of riding it out and what we do is we do like a farm box, a small farm box and a salad box, which are kind of generic boxes. But we also sell, when it's strawberry season, we do half and whole flats of strawberries. And when in tomato season, we do five, 10 and 20 pound tomato boxes. So just having these pickup sites as placeholders for strawberry and tomato season really help out because it all balances out to have a delivery day for us. When we leave the farm, we're essentially leaving the farm on Tuesday and Thursday. And we have a delivery route. And when our restaurants are back, which is now maybe we get, you know, four to six restaurant deliveries that we're doing. In the wintertime, it might die down. There might be times where we only get one delivery. And God, do we really run the truck 140 miles to get this one small delivery, you know? But what happens with the pickup sites is even on the days that there aren't very many at any given spot, altogether, it makes it worthwhile and adding on to that, the delivery to the restaurants is great. And it makes the whole day, you know, basically a dollar number that makes it viable for us to continue our Tuesday, Thursday delivery. Right? So really what we've done in the past is when we didn't have too much stuff, we just stopped doing deliveries on Tuesday or Thursday, or we'd only do it once a week. We were inconsistent enough that people weren't expecting it. And so now since it's a routine, we're actually, I find we're building that, that customer base through our delivery. Cause sometimes it takes people a while to really get, oh, you have delivery. 
you know, because we got people on Tuesday and Saturday at markets in the Bay Area, restaurants that pick up, you know, all the time, have for years. And, but, oh, we didn't have this. If you want it, we can bring it on Tuesday. Oh, you deliver? Okay, or, or Thursday. So it all really is feeding off itself right now. So even when we have pickup sites, for some neighborhoods like in San Francisco, I'm sure if we were doing home delivery right now, which we're not, we would get a lot more interest. But for us, it's too far away. It's too technical right now to do that. So we're just holding on to these pickup sites. And people, a lot of the people that are doing it have been doing it like all through the pandemic, you know, and some people come and go, but a lot of people, I mean, San Francisco is kind of a walking city. So people tend to like doing it. And there's a few restaurants for one, you get to go to a 16 pizzeria, get pizza at the same time, or get some takeout or whatever, go down in the San Francisco mission. So there's other, you know, benefits for people wanting to pick up, but we do offer delivery through other delivery services. So if anybody ever needs a delivery, that's still an option. We're just not doing it. Yeah. Have you seen like, cause I feel like sometimes a pickup can kind of be like almost the gateway into other, into like delivery. Have you seen customers kind of, they maybe sign up and do pickups or they're buying stuff from you at the market. And then that kind of translates into a home delivery customer. Yeah. So we have two mailing lists, right? So we do retail and then we do wholesale, which is wholesale restaurant, right? we get two different newsletters from MailChimp to each of these groups. And a lot of times they overlap because there's a lot of chefs that just chop the market for themselves, mm-hmm. right? You know, or vice versa, regular customers that are shopping that, you know, then buy at, at work. So what we do is when we get emails, we get to alert people of all these changes. So just having that accumulated email list for when we do say, Hey, we're going to launch our Saturday or Tuesday or Thursday home delivery, a farm box retail to San Francisco and the South Bay or something like that. Then we already have these two lists to, to go off and announce that with a little link on there to say, buy the shop now, buy this. So I think accumulating the mail, the mailing list is huge if and when we do these pivots and we're all, I feel like we're constantly evolving and changing. We're always pivoting to a new angle. I have one company, Frog Hollow Farms in Brentwood. They're buying, you know, a pallet of tomatoes and they're shipping them in small boxes all throughout the U.S. It's something that I tried to do. I don't want to do. It's too complicated. They do this. And so I'm sharing that link with whoever emails me, texts me. I put it in the mail to say, hey, check into Frog Hollow. Here's the link to buy our tomatoes if you want them in New Jersey and you want to get five pounds. So it's nice to be able to pivot and be able to reach people through our email, you know, when we need to, because I'm sending that out weekly and alerting people. Okay, it's tomato season, strawberry season, you know, pretty soon strawberry season is going to be over. Then tomato season is going to be over. We're going back to farm boxes and we're going to be trying to drive farm box retail subscription, you know, and that's going to be what we're going to be trying to do. And as well as we'll be trying to drive sales on our restaurant slash wholesale emails. Well, uh, telling them, Hey, we have a lot of this. We have a lot of that. We got a lot of jars of tomatoes giving you a deal right here. If you buy now sort of thing. So, so it's really nice to have, be able to reach that part of our market. So a lot of our customers we have contact with or a way to get reach them, but we slowly over time are accumulating that. And I think that just takes time to, to build that email list, right? 
Yeah. So I was kind of curious, and I know a lot of farms when they're starting out, a pickup option is more appealing because they're not ready. They're not sure if they're ready to go full blown home delivery yet. So they might start with a pickup option. How did you decide where to offer your pickups? That's good. I think it starts, we have five farmers markets. So each of those farmers markets is a pickup, right? And then really what we did is we kind of whittled it down from the first little pulse in the pandemic in 2020. We said, hey, we're going to do home delivery, right? And so we started with home delivery and then we quick, we're going to do Monday home delivery. We couldn't, with two cars, we could not deliver them all on monday so it's over into tuesday and then we're going to do thursday that's built over into friday but then as it all kind of started shrinking back down people did step forward and it's just kind of a thing that people have expected with these farm box csa things is that there's a pickup site and so people really approached me first to say can i be a pickup site so, so we did that and, and people would pick up and if people stopped picking up there we'd stop using that host and we did that on about probably five, five hosts. And then, you know, we use like my house, which is easy because I don't care if one person comes or six people come, it doesn't matter. I can still use that as an option. And of course, on farm, we have two days a week where people can pick up on farm, which isn't a big one. It's mostly a restaurant kind of pickup, but we just kind of naturally evolved. And then we just kept the ones and I tried to put it like, say, if, you know, if you're in Santa Cruz and you go up into San Francisco, over to the East Bay Berkeley and drop back down, there's a big loop. And that's kind of like our delivery route. So I tried to plant like, okay, on Tuesday, here's one here, one here. And then on Thursday, one here and one there. You know, so there's on both Tuesday and Thursday, there's a pickup site. There's actually two in San Francisco on Tuesday and Thursdays, different sites on different days, and then two in the East Bay um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it kind of equals out and they're all different. So depending on you know, what area East Bay is very big. San Francisco is very big as well. So it's kind of tried to split it up. So at least there'd be one day, one time a week where people could pick up that was reasonably close to them. And then the ones that people kept ordering for, we just kept those and it just kind of evolved. And of course, the, you know, like Pizzeria Delfina is a restaurant that's next to Delfina and they have like four or five pizzerias through the Bay Area and Craig owner i've known since i've been farming so he, i've known him probably 20 25 years or something like that and also a16 you know i have a long-standing relationship with them and so a lot of these sites i have deeper connections to and so that has a lot to do with it because i've had some people say yeah, i want to do it and they start doing it and they realize like hey this didn't draw enough business to them or whatever they were trying to get out of it and then they stop if you don't totally know the other person's intention or if businesses change over time anyway and it can be a hassle and it's really like i try to kick down some tomatoes or whatever whenever i can to this place because they're basically just hosting for us for free because they want to and so sometimes that's not going to work i don't expect every restaurant to be able to pull that off it's got to have some sort of a meaning or some kind of um, use for you know some of them it's like they're getting a delivery anyway so it works out because we're bringing a, a farm box pickup on the same day yeah but really it just it, it evolves and it's really kind of random and then you just see what works and try a bunch of things and see what works and keep those that's kind of how we've evolved it yeah and i love that idea too like 
restaurants that you have long-standing relationships with or even for folks that have a friend that has a, a business in town or something I don't know, a coffee shop or it could be anything really I think but being able to kind of utilize those connections and use spots like that as pickup locations if they're in a good spot for customers to get I was also curious that I know a lot of times I think sometimes people can get stuck especially if they're in the early stages of business where you're kind of willing to chase after a customer and they'll almost like a lot of farmers will go with or try to pursue or meet any request that somebody asks and I'm sure people will always ask about like oh can you make this a pickup location or can you go here what is your response to that or what would maybe be your advice to that when people ask to to go somewhere that you aren't currently offering fulfillment to or aren't doing a pickup location at that somebody maybe one customer is reaching out asking about yeah that's a really good question i think that it's always beneficial to have an open ear and listen to suggestions from all your customers especially when they're big customers like restaurants or wholesale or whatever mm -hmm. listen to them but make sure that don't just don't go so far out of your way that it helps some uh, another business and not necessarily yours. You know, some things you really have to check and say, like, is this serving me or not? And really, there's a huge difference between, I mean, I want to say almost like with restaurants, when you seed money, when you can feel the seed money coming from a new business. And so if you're trying to build your business, you're in a different position. You know, maybe you do want to go out of your way to stretch that long day and do that extra delivery because you're trying to push and see what you can do and what you should and shouldn't do. It's not necessarily your set plan, but I think over time you want to make sure that whatever strategy for sales and fulfillment you're pursuing, it's going to work for the farm and not against you because I've just known that we've had a lot of delivery sites here in Santa Cruz in the mountains that, you know, my driver said, Hey, this road's too sketchy. It's way too far away. He's got a $25 order and it's taken me 45 minutes round trip to get there. There's a lot of things that you just have to consider and make sure that it's serving you, make sure it's serving your farm. And I think that's key to it, especially if, if you're dealing with restaurants, I think there's some pitfalls that we all get into with restaurants. And I would say as well as retail customers and home delivery, if you get into the option, put the delivery details in the notes. And that can mean to some people, okay, well, I want you to go to my Aunt Martha's house, knock on the door three times. And then when her cat comes here and goes over there, then go put it over the fence and go over there. And then if she's not there, then take it down. Like, well, you have to kind of draw the line and as well with a restaurant. One thing that we've really done that's posting our live inventory has helped is a lot of times when we open up our ordering to, you can text me, you can email me, you can call me, or I can run into you on the street or the farmer's market and you can tell me, hey, send me a box of tomatoes next Thursday. What happens is it opens up into things like, hey, we're out of cannellini beans right now. And I don't need to explain it. Mm -hmm. I can, there's no cannellinis for sale, so you can't buy them. I don't need to say, hey, I want cannellinis, cranberry beans, I want tomatoes, I want radishes, and I have to go back and say, hey, are we gonna have radishes? Like, we preset what we have, when it's there, you buy it. And if they say, hey, I want um, cipollini onions, no bigger than a 50 cent piece or something like that. And then all of a sudden we're tasked with sizing. And mm -hmm. sizing, even though 
it can be so awesome and people will love it. And I think for some businesses, it's probably worth sizing, you know, I mean, I'm talking baby carrots, beets, everything. If you get into sizing and if you have basically indicated that you're open to sizing, you get it on every order or you're mm -hmm. going to get it on so many orders. I really like posting. And now when people try to say, Hey, I need this. I say like, Hey, I don't know the size that's going to come out. We're going to have what we're going to have. And this is how we're posting it because some things, especially as the orders pick up and we have like 10 restaurants, 20 restaurant pickups on a Saturday, I can, my crew doesn't have the time to do everything and they're not going to go through and pull apart all these budgets to make all these perfect little things. So in a lot of ways, it, it puts a fence up there mm -hmm. and, and helps you draw a line of what you can and can't do. And I think it's good to push it and try to be that person, that business that can do stuff for customers, mm -hmm. but then also just realize when it's too much. Like I said, when you can feel this is not serving me, this is extra work and I can just sell it this way anyway. So yeah, I think that's really helped me, you know, get rid of sizing and unduly complicated delivery and harvesting instructions, right? Yeah. And also the time, you know, you're text messaging with someone, an order, they text you. Okay, then I go to the field and I confirm, he texts me, then I text back, say this, but not this, they text me. And each one of those texts, you get it in the middle of the field. I'm not necessarily down at my designated time in the office to look at, analyze these orders and figure out what's going on. All of a sudden you missed your order deadline or it's too late or whatever. So it's really the amount of energy it takes to be doing that. You just eventually, there's gonna to be too many orders. And unless you're someone that just walks around all day long with a cell phone, answering people for orders, it's so much easier to get a real schedule down online where you can post what you have and they can buy it. Yeah, no, definitely. Just having kind of those barriers or, or like the barrier of the uh, online store is really nice for that. And then, yeah, I love what you're saying about if you give them the room, then they'll take it to start doing those kind of modifications and specifications and things like that. And so uh, keeping that to a minimum definitely saves the farmer a lot of time. I was curious about, I know you mentioned your first pickup locations were your farmer's markets. I was wondering, is that ever kind of a selling point to folks that are buying from you to the farmer's market? Like, hey, if you want to guarantee to get something at the farmer's market, like order it online ahead of time and we'll have it here for you. Yeah, it is. But we, we limit it, you know, so essentially like our two pages that we offer a retail page and a wholesale page, the wholesale page for people that sign up has lists every item that we're going to sell, or at least that we sell, we have enough of to post online. Now, usually we'll have more at the farmer's market, but sometimes we'll sell out before we get to the farmer's market. Right? So a restaurant mm -hmm. can go online and they can order by the item, right? The retail page, you can buy a generic, like a generic farm box, a salad box, a small farm box, but we also offer strawberries and tomatoes in different increments. You can buy a half flat or a whole flat of strawberries, for example. This time of year, especially, we run out of strawberries mm -hmm. at the market. And so whenever it runs out and someone shows up, hey, do you have any strawberries? Like, hey, no, but you can get a half flat. You just got to pre-order online and you give them a little QR code and it gets them to sign up. And so the retail, you know, you're not able to be a retail customer, a regular farmer's market customer, go online and buy whatever you want 
six of these, two of these, one of those. Maybe in the future we would do that, but that's really time consuming at the farm for us to make all those orders. But there are certain things, you know, if you want tomatoes and or strawberries or a farm box, you know, we'll hold these for you. We'll, we'll get them ready for you and, and we'll hold them so they can pre-order. So that helps the customer do that and also gets them into our system with our email, email list and everything like that. So it is a winning thing, but it's like I said, we don't do it with everything for them. Often like we sell cases of jarred tomatoes, we have strawberry jam, Christmas time comes around. They wanna make sure that they have a full case of strawberry jam to give out stocking stuffers so they can pre-order. A retail customer can pre-order those jars, you know? And that's really helpful for a lot of people because also we're gonna, bring our jars and we might sell out and someone comes and wants a certain this or they want the price fake on the jar on the full case so they can pre-order. So there is a lot, we do have a lot of offerings because of that at farmer's markets for our retail regular farmer's market customers. Yeah. I like the way that you structure that too, because I feel like like the tomatoes or the strawberries are like kind of your specialty items or your high demand items. And so especially making those the ones that you can pre-order, I think is a great way to go about it because then those are the items that people might come just to your stand to get. And if they can't get them, then that's a great plug for your online store. Yeah, we kind of have two businesses. One is our regular Dirty Girl produce where we grow like maybe 70 different items throughout the year. Um, the other is tomato season. When it's tomato season, we have a whole nother crowd, whole nother distribution, whole nother people come. They ask you around when our tomatoes start. So it's nice to be able to get those peeps and get them in our system and then try and sell them a farm box later because they do like farm. They do like to support us. They know us. So they know that, you know, the quality of the produce that we grow. Um, and they may come for the tomatoes, but they stay for the small farm box delivered mm -hmm. or they get jars for Christmas or who knows what, but they see that we have the tomatoes will bring them in and then they'll see there's other options. There's other things we do. And there's other days of the week at farmer's markets, so you name it, you know, where else yeah. can we find dirty girl? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know we've talked a lot about kind of how you've gone about wholesale and it sounds like that business is really kind of made a comeback. So that's great to hear. Cause I know, I think the last time we talked, it was just at the start of restaurants starting to reopen and things like that. But I'm glad to hear that part of your business is really open back up again. What would be your advice maybe to farms? Cause I know wholesale accounts, a lot of times for farms is something they want to pursue, but they're not, maybe not sure how to go about that. What would be your advice to somebody that, that is trying to find more or, or start getting into those wholesale accounts, working with restaurants to sell them their produce or yeah. meats or anything? Yeah, sure. I think there's a few good strategies and it really depends on where you are, you know, how rural you are, how far away you are from the nearest biggest city or stringing together delivery routes. Every community is different. So with restaurants and wholesale as well, I feel like for us, it's easy because we have sold in San Francisco and it's such a big city. It's a big food city. So many restaurants, so many people that come there to eat, just mm -hmm. to eat. So it's crazy. So we have a lot of support on those. But I think ultimately they know about us because we've proven ourselves at the farmer's market. A farmer's market for someone that's starting out may not be the long-term business plan, right? And I see it with farms, but often way more with other like value-added businesses that sell at farmer's markets. And farmer's markets for them are like incubators. You start off with a sales that you get your crew going you're producing something and then you get the exposure because people are going to see you at the farmer's market they're going to see your product 
you can meet them, you can talk to them. The restaurants come around, they're looking at, hey, what's this? I like that. All of a sudden, you start building your relationship. So I feel like that is, farmer's markets are a really good way. It gets you exposed. It, it puts your product out there. And then you can build from there. Another way to do it is just to straight up go out to dinner or lunch or breakfast or wherever. Go and pursue these places. Look up where all these places are and go just knock on the door, give them a business card, eat there. I know if you eat somewhere for people that really care about what they're doing in restaurants, a lot of the chefs that I deal with, they're artists. So this is their life's passion. They love talking about food. They appreciate and makes them feel good when people appreciate their food. So being able to spend some money and going out to a restaurant, I think you don't have to spend all the money. You don't have to go big or anything, but you poke around and have a cocktail or figure out a way to get yourself in a restaurant and talking to the people and give them a business card, QR code, get an email, get a, some sort of contact. These days, communicating with people really varies in technology. Being a farmer, farms tend to be a lot that I know, at least the smaller farms behind in technology compared to all the other businesses compared to restaurants. So you go to restaurants now, a lot of them now, there's just a QR code. You look the menu up on your phone. That's so new. And so being able to adapt and being able to, you know, what do you got to send someone an email? Maybe you have to send them a text. Maybe you send them a business card and they're going to call you on the phone and do this. So there's a whole, a wide range of different businesses and how they're run. A lot of restaurants are small businesses. Mm -hmm. Some are huge capitalist funded businesses as well. And a lot of wholesale accounts are huge and they're huge corporations. So each one of those, you need to have a different game plan in dealing with them. But I think really pursuing that, I think farmers markets are great incubators, even if they don't end up being your long-term goal, um, that they'll put your name and your product out there. I suppose that you could just start throwing out Google ads in your neighborhood and getting a lot of people from online, just starting out online. But I think it's really a combination between like approaching brick and mortar, selling at farmer's markets, flyering. There's a lot of people that go to their church groups, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of organizations, youth sports groups, sponsor team. I mean, there's all these kind of things that where, where people promote themselves in the community. So they try to get their, their name out. So yeah, I think there's a lot, but there's also the online portion. I'm sure some people could do it and really be successful in just starting out a farm online. I don't know anybody who's ever done it because we've just now arrived right at that point. But I find that I have a lot more directed targeting at people that have either already bought our produce or found us um, on their own, I feel like is where I try to really market and grow. So for someone just starting out, you just cast the net really wide, as wide as you can and see what works and then drop, if it's not working, drop it and just go for the revenue streams that are working, you mm -hmm. know, that seem to be working. Yeah. I was curious too, like, is there anything that if somebody, if a restaurant reaches out to you or just somebody you're thinking about maybe trying to start working with, is there anything that you ever notice about a restaurant business or a wholesale account that causes you to be like, actually, no, we're not <laughs> like that you avoid. Are there any flags or things like that? Or maybe something you look for in a restaurant that makes it a better partner for you and Dirty Girl Produce? Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that like vetting restaurants in the old, like pre-pandemic Dirty Girl Produce is pretty much 
getting to know the buyers who sometimes are the shops, sometimes they're foragers, sometimes they're front of the house, sometimes they're the owners. You never know. You have to slowly build relationships and figure out, you know, if you're going to hand someone off $250 worth of produce and they're just going to sign their name on a piece of paper, you want to know that they're going to pay you because I've not been paid a lot. There have been a lot of uh, uh, businesses that I've dealt with that have gone bankrupt and have not paid me. You know, mm -hmm. most of the time people are really pretty good at paying by far and wide, but if you're going to have a lot of accounts and you're going to have a lot of money in aging, you're going to have to expect that some of that is eventually not going to come back to you. And so one thing that's really nice in that vetting process and building a relationship with the restaurant is if you do have this online platform where they're paying up front, then they already paid for the produce. So you don't necessarily need to build that relationship as much. Maybe that's a starting point. And during the deliveries and emails and to, hey, I like this, I didn't like this, whatever, you get feedback from customers, then you start building that way, which is different than when, what we used to do. Like, we weren't necessarily going to let people sign and walk away if we didn't know them, but also we probably let way too many people sign and have way too much money outstanding. And then that's money that's just, I'm paying interest on my credit line instead of it coming mm -hmm. into the bank and paying off. So it costs money to do that. So there are a lot of red flags in dealing with restaurants and wholesalers. I'll tell you wholesalers, I love them. I love y'all, but it's a sharky, sharky place. Okay. Like, like people are, look, buy low, sell high. People are trying to make money. Mm -hmm. And so you have to expect that. My main wholesale right now is through Fruit World. And it's my friend, Cindy, that I've known for 25 years. She's a really good friend of mine. If she wasn't selling my produce, she's still my friend. So I really trust her and we have a really good working relationship as well. Um, building those relationships with wholesale, it works, but you got to be tough. You got to be gritty. You got to get paid. You got to stick up for yourself. With restaurants, I'd say the same. I think sometimes people, especially when you're on a farm all day, you can easily get taken with an invite to a restaurant. Oh, come on in, I'll pay. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. They're feeding us and this is taken care of. And, and so sometimes there's an emotional component to a restaurant account that can affect your rational thinking and you're looking after your business. You know, you want to say, well, I, I like this so much or there's something else I'm getting out of this relationship with this restaurant that isn't like, you know, I need to look at the dollars and cents. It's worth mm -hmm. delivering them. Uh, they're paying a fair price and so forth. And so you really need to evaluate and also like, you know, getting to know your customer. A lot of times, I think that's what sustained me as a farmer over the years is that the customer appreciation, being able to meet your farmer and build those relationships and have people appreciate. If it was just like disembodied, I never met the people in person. It's harder. You feel it less. So I think that there's an important value that you get that's not monetary when it comes to building relationships. That's really important. And it, it's what feeds a lot of us. A lot of us are not making that much money. We're basically farming to be able to do it. And so these things, you know, our relationships and accounts are meaningful in other ways other than the money. And I think it's important to shape those as well as the financial gains. But also one thing that you got to see, you got to be wary of that I found a lot and I've seen is the effect of seed money, which is when someone first starts a business or someone just gave them money or they have a lot of money or they have a different kind of money that you're used to. And because a lot of times when people are going to start a business, they start with a huge budget, they've loaned, they've, they've borrowed money and they're spending and they want to get the best. 
And so they come to Dirty Girl because they want our name on the menu and then they want our good produce on the plate, right? Mm-hmm. And eventually, when the operating capital isn't a loan, they've spent the loan or the credit line, and they have to spend the money that they're buying produce with money that has actually are receipts that are meals in the restaurant. They feel it different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people take off and they're successful and they stay. They're new. They start with us and they keep us. But I've seen a lot of people coming, buying from us, buying hot, like large amounts. And then once they really feel that crunch, feeling like, hey, maybe I can't pay these prices or, hey, maybe I can't buy this much produce or it changes. Mm-hmm. So really be wary of change. I would say, especially be wary of that change. If you are a business that is going to give terms like 15, 30 days, you know, when someone's starting out new, I would be wary. It's risky, even though it's exciting. And I think it's good to be on the team that is going to be pumping money into PR and outreach and you know like a new business does a lot of that so it's good to be on that team when they're doing it because it's good for you as well but i would be wary about loaning a lot of money out by giving people produce on terms when they aren't solid long-term customers Mm -hmm. you know i always call it seed money like you can feel the seed money and you can feel the seed money dry up when businesses change in how they're funding their operating capital. So it's almost like if you're an investor, which I'm not, I wish, but I'm not. But if you're going to invest in, in the stock market, you go research the businesses, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just gamble away and hit at the you know, numbers up and down and whatnot. And, you know, you want to really be a wise investor. And so your accounts are going to be generally, it's interesting with MailChimp because MailChimp will show you purchases that people made by clicking on MailChimp, right? So it'll say how many purchases happened from this MailChimp event on wholesale and how many on retail and the average purchase, the price. So our retail, the average retail is much less than the average wholesale. The average wholesale is much higher. So in a lot of ways, it really behooves I think a farm to put a little bit more energy into each one of those wholesale accounts just because they are going to potentially bring in more income. Now, maybe retail is you're getting fully paid and wholesale you're getting a partial payment from 50 to, like I said, 75 to 100 percent to, you know, wholesale slash restaurants. Restaurants sometimes are retail as well. So mm-hmm. but they're bigger purchases. So. These accounts, building restaurant accounts, just vet them clearly, but it really has helped me. I've seen a huge improvement, especially when people come in new and they come in hot. They just say, here's the link to our store, order before 10, the cutoff, and you pay on checkout. And that's what they do. And I think that really helps because then you buy as much as you want Mm -hmm. or as little as you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a nice way to have a little bit more protection against somebody that might have a lot of money now but in 30 days they might not have so much money in the case of a starting restaurant or something like that that's really good advice so i was curious joe just kind of as a final question but what's kind of next on the radar for dirty girl produce what do you got planned for the year ahead what's next man i'll tell you i am just having a moment in dirty girl i've been renting the whole time i've been farming since i think 98 so and i farmed on i think over 15 parcels at this point we are in a capital raising mode we have a bridge loan proposal that i'm spreading to some of our restaurants and our restaurant groups all our customers who we are close with who have expressed interest we're gonna try and buy one of our properties 
So I think mid-December to by the end of the year, I'm hoping to be close to buying one in, in particular. It's going to take a little while and it's really complicated, but it's really cool. And I'll still be a renter of farmland, but to have a headquarters where we can put equity in month to month, you know, paying a mortgage and building equity that way, instead of trying to save all the profits for my carrots in a bank account somewhere, that's pretty hard when you're a farmer, you know? So I'm really excited trying to buy property and building up the Dirty Girl headquarters, which is what I think we're going to be doing. So really excited on that. And other, other than that, just, you know, sustainable ags means that we do good enough this year in order to be able to do it next year, right? And mm -hmm. that's a huge task every year. So we're speaking right now in the middle of September. And it's just in the throes of the biggest part of our year. So every little detail, every little decision has a much larger potential benefit or consequence this time of year. So I think right now, finishing this year and moving into land owning position is going to be great. And a lot of people that are farmers, you know, throughout other parts of the country, like buying a farm here is a million dollar proposition minimum. We can't get a $300,000 farmhouse with acreage those days are way over so it, it's a big ask and i'm sure it's like that elsewhere as well but there's still a lot of places that you take for granted that you can buy the farm or someone had a farm that you could inherit or buy from your family here it's kind of crazy expensive but at the same time it's an asset that, that i'm hoping to build equity that's really exciting for you and for the farm and i'm sure for your family as well so Definitely best of luck with that. And I'll look forward to next time we talk or next time we have you on the podcast, at least uh, hopefully that'll be close to wrapped up. Cool. Thanks, Rory. I want to extend my thanks for Joe for joining us on this week's podcast episode here at Barn to Door. We're humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, including farms like Dirty Girl Produce. We're honored to get the opportunity to learn from our most successful farmers who share the tactics and resources and tools that they use to grow and manage their farm businesses. If you would like to connect with Joe and other farm advisors, attend Barn to Door Connect. You can register for weekly sessions at barndodork.com slash connect. For more information on Dirty Girl Produce, you can follow them on Instagram at Dirty Girl Produce. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more free farm resources, tips, and tactics that our most successful farms use to grow and manage their business, visit barndodork.com slash resources. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Direct Farm Podcast to automatically download our weekly episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.